This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues and ideas that shape our lives with your guide, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Good morning, Connell. Good morning, Matt. It is morning. Yes, it is. Mm. Saturday morning, actually. And uh, I've been up for ages. You have, Matt. Uh, you've, <laughs> you've, you know, you've already done your eight k run. I'll be doing my thirty k run a little later today. And I think eight and a half k. Eight and a half. Come on, that half a k at the end is the uh, is the killer. <laughs> well, yeah, I haven't been up for ages. I've just got up, actually. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least one of us is honest around here anyway. I'm sure you are too, Matt. You've been mm. for a run, but mm. I, I've been up long either, Connell. But it's great to be back in the studio. And we've got a bit of a, a different take today for our Thrive Perspectives podcast. You know, we've been going through this journey, I think we're up to episode 24. Uh, we've been going through this journey through uh, Thrive Perspectives worldview and looking at uh, a Christian worldview. And as we've tried to work through that in somewhat of a systematic way, there have been questions coming to us via via email and and via the website Uh, and we thought it would be good just to take a pause kind of go back and look at some of these questions and how they feed into what we've been talking about so far because even as we've been talking uh, through each of these episodes there's things we realize oh that that probably would have been a really good question to answer and and encouragingly uh, people have sent us in emails with some questions and so we thought we'd take a pause and we would actually uh, address those now so Heads up, if you'd like to share your questions or your concerns or, or something that you'd like to bring to the table in relation to Thrive Perspectives in our Worldview series, then you can do that via our website, thrivetoday.tv. There's a Contact Us page and you can ask a question there. Uh, it actually has a separate box for you to ask your question and flick that through to us. Uh, and perhaps in, a, in another few weeks, we may do another episode like this, Matt and Connell, where we can kind of kind of look to answer some of those questions. We've sort of pulled out about half a dozen fairly good questions here, I yeah, think, that have come from people, yeah. and uh, I think it'd be great to really jump into those. Connell, why don't you lead us off with with the first one then, let's mm. see where we go with that. So this is something that Matt's mentioned quite a few times, it's one of these quotes that he's dropped in there. I'm not sure it is a quote, I think it's your quote, isn't it, Matt, this one? Mm. I'm going to read it out. It's a good one, and, and it actually, first time I heard it, I thought, that sort of makes sense in my life. When, when when I heard it, it puts things into a lot of context. So in that sense, it was good. But I'm now having seen the question and thinking about it, there is an element in there that I think we just need to talk about a little bit more to, to, to unpack it. So the question mm. is, what does it really mean that it's God's hold of us rather than our hold of God, especially when I feel like I'm only just holding on? So I think it's God who's got hold of us rather than our ability hold, to or hold of God. You know, it's, he's the one who's got hold of us. Well, actually, there's two ways of looking at it. It could be God's hold of us is what keeps us secure. It's not necessarily mm. how hard we've got mm. hold of him. I think it may come from something I say. I mean, look, you know, I'm, I'm a preacher, so I preach in churches. When you're preaching, you, you come up with succinct ways, succinct and memorable ways mm. uh, to, to sort of say things. So, hence... Uh, hence this quote, which actually is, as I often say, we can't grasp God, but we can be grasped by God. That's actually a way of talking about how we know God. It's just a succinct way of explaining that we actually cannot circumscribe God intellectually. We can't. We talk about grasping an idea. It's difficult to grasp. You know, well, the idea of God is actually impossible to grasp. You can't grasp God as an idea. The only way that we can know God really is 
when he grasps us and when he becomes God to us. So you can't sort of really stand back and know God and then think, well, I'll commit once I really know that this is true. Well, the only way that you can know that it's true hmm. is when God actually becomes God to you. And and that's a choice on our part. It's a choice of faith to say, God, I want you to be my God. Hmm. But there's also a sovereign sense in which God does take hold of people's lives. When God took hold of my life, I wasn't really planning to be a Christian, you know, and, and yet God took hold of me and I began to know something that I previously had denied. Now, that's not the case uh, for everyone. For me, it was. For me, it was something that I had as a bit of an overthinking teenager and thinking through things very intensely. In my late teens, going from definitely this is not true, can't be true, it's just stupid, to this emerging sense of God taking hold of my life and in a, in a very compelling way. So there's this sense in which God defies all of our efforts to really understand him mm. uh, intellectually, and yet we can know God and we know God when he you know, when he takes hold of us. And we can actually make a choice about that. We can surrender ourselves to God and we can, the more we let God be God, which is essentially what faith is, faith is. And so there is a sense, uh, just to add a little qualifier to that, because there is a sense in which we sort of, we do take hold of God. Yeah. Uh, and that's with our faith. Faith is essentially us uh, choosing to place ourselves, it's put, putting our lives in God's hands, as it were. It's letting God be God. It's that decision that we make to do that. And so, you know, faith then is also a kind of knowledge in the sense that, you know, it's through faith that we know God in that in that sense by putting mm. ourselves into the inside of this. It's not, as, we've, as I've often said, it's not something you can know uh, from the outside. That's kind of the idea there. It's about how we know God, hence the question. Mm. So probably the second half of that question, yeah. kind of speak, which is a subtle slightly different to what you were using that cell to communicate. But I think there's a good second question as, as the second half of that one, which is... Well, yeah, it, it's when you feel like, yeah. it might feel like, and in some ways you probably are grasping hold of God with all you've got, and you feel yeah. like maybe you're getting to the end of your your yeah. tether and you think, if I let go, God, I'm gone. And I know that I've, I've walked through that myself where I've said to God, if you don't do something... You're going to lose me yeah. forever, mm. and he and he still didn't do mm. what I expected him to do, and I felt like he was losing me mm. forever. So that you get to this point where you feel like I just feel like I'm the one who's leaning in, you're leaning in, and, and grabbing hold of God, and I, I'm, I'm even scared to to let go. But I feel like I don't know how much longer I can unhold. And I think if you're in that stage, that particular idea of God grasping us is complicated. Yeah. I guess the other question then is that what does that what does it actually mean or what does it look like or feel like for God to take hold of our lives? And one of the issues uh here is that we we can have very set ways of what we think that looks like. And so this looks like God doing this for me. Um it looks like God perhaps taking away uh, perhaps a struggle or a weakness or a, or dealing with you know something that that we feel is an obstacle uh, in our lives and uh, god doesn't always do that in fact i would even say that god rarely does that 
as a normative thing because one of the most important principles in scripture is the principle of hope that we that we live in as broken people in a broken world and we need to continually feel that so that we're you know we're we're connecting we're anticipating what god is doing and we're leaning into god's strength and we are you know we're in that place of dependence and i mean paul says that he pleaded with God to take away this thorn in the flesh that he felt was an obstacle to his ministry. We don't know what that was, but God left it there. No, I'm going to leave that there. And so he he struggled his whole life with this weakness. Uh, this is in 2 Corinthians, towards the end of 2 Corinthians, where he talks about this. And for him, it's this obstacle that just he felt like, come on, God, like mm. this is an obstacle to me, even to ministry, you know. Mm. Mm. But, you know, God's reply is, no, my power is made perfect in weakness. I actually want, I want you in this place of weakness. I want you continually reminded of this brokenness and, and feeling this weakness. And that's one way uh, of looking at that. Speaking about faith, I mean, you know, faith is often, and we, we said in a previous episode, the strongest examples of faith, and in Hebrews chapter 11, we actually talked about this, I think, an yeah. episode ago yeah. or so. We did. Strongest expressions of faith uh, that are celebrated in Scripture in Hebrews 11, you know, we see this in the celebration of the faith of Abraham and so forth, and the fact that they didn't receive in their lifetime the thing that they longed for and anticipated. Uh, and their faith is therefore celebrated. They didn't see the answer to that, but they hoped, you know, they they held on to this hope. Uh, that is, for the writer of Hebrews, it's a supreme example of faith because it's the supreme example of letting God be God and getting away from, and this is the big thing that we need to, it's very difficult for us to get away from, particularly in our kind of culture, is to get away from this very transactional uh, idea of God. And again, we talked about mm-hmm. that uh, in a previous episode. It's very difficult. God's not doing this for me. I'm just holding on. And so... That becomes an obstacle. Then you know, the, you know, I want to see God do something here, and everyone else is looking on, and and I'm not getting this, and and well, where is God? Well, a lot of the time, uh, God answers in ways that are way beyond what we actually want specifically. He does answer us. I've always loved that quote. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, yeah. uh, because our our plans are just not. We have no idea what is best for us, and often. Often the things that God would do would be very, very counterintuitive to us in the way that God would do that. So, um, you know, there's a case here for moving beyond uh, a transactional kind of relationship that I'm holding on to this. And I want to see God do this. I've been there, mm. you know, uh, I, I've, I've mm. been there and, and actually I've, that, that, those have been important moments of letting God be God as well. And, you know, Paul testifies to that. And I know so many examples of people that have situations like that, that have moved them beyond that transactional faith. Mm. Now, of course, to a, to a watching world, they'll just mock that. We'll see God doesn't answer, you, answer your prayers. Mm. But, uh, you know, but you're talking about a watching world that struggles with anything beyond a very transactional, in a very transactional world. Mm. The It's very difficult for them to get beyond this mm. idea of a transactional God. But we must... We must get beyond that because mm-hmm. that is not the kind of relationship uh, that God wants mm-hmm. with us. Can I can I just say though, if if we just take out the you know thinking of this question around, I want God to do something for me. I just want to experience God in some way. You know, I just want to okay, feel yeah, like yeah, He's something. actually 
got me because I feel yeah. like it's it's like having you know we talk about relationships like me having a relationship with my wife and and I'm always showing affection and saying nice things and I never get anything back. Yeah. You know, there comes a point where you go, does <sighs> does she really love me? Or even in this case, you know, does he really exist? Is he really there? Mm-hmm. And I th- and you know I think that feeds into this question as well. It's like I feel like you know this question's coming from I'm I'm kind of leaning in here and. But I feel mm. I just feel like I'm not I'm not getting anything. Back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a great point. In fact, yeah. I, I was chatting with someone at, at uh, church um, last Sunday uh, about this very you know this very <laughs> idea. This sort of and this is something I think very common to a, to a lot of people. And I think there's uh, a question about this. Yeah. Um, another one. Yep. So feel free to bring in these quest- yeah, yeah. the other questions there, yeah, guys, sure. when they're when they're related to this. But this is the question of. You know, I'm just not getting anything from that's exactly yeah, that. I'm exactly. just not getting anything from God. So we have to define and again, I I've been there, mm, right? Yeah. I think we've all probably been there. Yep. I certainly have, right? I've certainly been there. I'm not getting any you know, where, where are you in any way, God? And that process of reflection there there are two there are two ways in which we can respond to that. Let me just uh, focus on how we respond to that question. One one is that we just kind of throw up our hands and and you know slink away and mm. and, and, and sort of give up. Well, I'd encourage everyone not to do that because uh, God is found when we seek Him. So there's something about seeking God here that that is important. But then for a lot of people, I've I've sought God, I've sought God, and and again, still, you know, nothing nothing's happening. Well, we have to. Then ask the question, well, what is that thing? And this is in the conversation that I had with this person on Sunday. And this is the same thing that I, the question that I ask is that you have to, what is this thing? What would, to, what is this? What are you looking for? What, yeah, what, what you, yeah, that's right. What, 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 are you what is it from God? The, it what is the thing that you're thing, expecting? But it might be relationship. Yeah, but that's what he meant. Yeah, he's, yeah he's, but I, I mean, but, that's what, but what do you, what, but, how do you, how do you feel? Something. Mate? What are you looking to feel? <laughs> not nothing. It's not yeah. nothing. Yeah, that's right. It's not no thing. It's it's something. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I think that's reasonable because it's a relationship, and a relationship is an experiential thing. Mm. And I'm saying this because because I've been through this, and I'm I, I feel like in some senses I'm on the other side of that. And just let me summarize, and then I'll go back because for me now, as I stand looking at this now, like it's way, way bigger and more pervasive and more constant than I ever imagined it would be. There was a point in my life where I came to this point, I think, man, like I was pretty disciplined doing my prayer times and all this sort of stuff, but I just felt like my life was, it didn't look relational. It looked quite religious Mm. in a sense. And I was kind of patting myself uh, on my back for my discipline, but it was all a bit exhausting as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't much enjoyment in I'm looking at my watch thinking, you know, spent 45 minute prayer time. That's pretty good for today. You know, there, there wasn't a lot of enjoy. It was all sort of discipline. Mm. Like I may say, going from my eight and a half K run, uh, mm. you know, it's yeah. like, uh, I feel good about it afterwards, but man, it's pretty hard going, uh, you know, when you're in yeah, it, yeah, you know, yeah. when I'm in the- mm. And so, you know, I was treating my prayer life a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit like that. And so I certainly came to that point, like where, where, where is the relationship here. And it led me along a path. First of all, I recognized the legitimacy of complaint in the Psalms. There's lots of complaint. That's fine. Complaint is different to grumbling. Grumbling is what you do when you walk away from God. Complaint is what you do when you lean in and you say, God, I know I know that there's more here mm. and I know that I don't have it. I know that what this right now, this is not all there is. 
And that was what I, I, I know that there's more to this relationship. Now, at that time, I think I had an idea. And for me, it was a very experiential thing. And, and I might even describe it as something quite deistic in a sense, that there's this great person in the sky out there somewhere. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to caricature it uh, here. You know, it's like there's this person in the sky and he seems really far away. And every time I pray, I feel like, why aren't you coming to meet me here? And so there was this kind of deism, almost like this, like Zeus or something, but, you know. But uh, did you feel convinced, though, that God was still there? Uh, yes, I did, uh, in fact, because and, – and maybe this is probably the advantage, one of the advantages of going from complete non-belief mm, to belief. Yep. And, and I think you would share this, uh, Connell, because you've, you've been there, where God brings you to belief. So, for me, a profound and, – and, and actually even one moment of profound change, a conversion moment, the bang, you know, like the lifting off of guilt and the- Which means you can go back to that as a reference I, point. If I know. And I've yeah. got to be careful though, because yeah. as well, because I'm going back to an experience, but it was a, it was a darkness to light mm-hmm. experience. And, and it was a very Jesus focused experience. Now, a lot of, you know, I know uh, people, particularly people from Muslim backgrounds who, because the Jesus thing is always a struggle, have actual visions of Jesus. In fact, I've got a friend who's who was a complete non-believer, not from a Muslim background, but he, he his radical moment of change is when in the middle of the night he saw Jesus standing at the end of his bed, mm-hmm. and and he had this this was surrounded by this incredible power, uh, powerful sense of God, and he's a Christian to this day, and he cannot. He yeah. just can't go back on that. So, so that there are some people have moments like that, and, and I probably had something close to that. So, but I've got to be careful not to always need those kind of experiences to always feel that, that this is the problem with that. Then, right? And it's the problem with us sharing stories like that. If mm-hmm. I may say so, mm-hmm. you know, people like us share stories like that, and then people say, "Oh, I need that," right? Mm-hmm. But. But see, I can that can be a problem for me too. And at that point, that was a problem. Like I need more of that happening again and again and again. So this is where I mean it. It's it's a bit deistic or like a sort of polytheistic form of you know. There's a mm. there's this person up in the sky, uh, and he lives he lives somewhere else, right? And he's he. I want him to come and visit me. And and I identify. Well, that was a time when he came down from heaven. And, uh, and, and he did this thing and then he went back to heaven and, and you could end up, you know, constantly looking for that time when God comes down to heaven, touches your life and then, and then sort of goes back. But that's not actually what the Bible teaches. That's actually the kind of polytheism that the Bible wants to counter, you know, that way of thinking. So that's the first problem there in, in the looking for something approach. Mm. I'm not necessarily looking for even for a big experience, but. I'm still looking for something and not nothing. And where you said you came from non-belief and had that moment and you came to belief. I I grew up in a Christian background and believed strongly Mm. until my late teens and started to Mm. question things. So then I had to go from strong belief to wondering where is God in a whole lot of things. And the the distance of God then made me really feel disappointed that it wasn't quite lining up to what I had sort of understood mm. a relationship with God to look like and yeah. then ended up going into mm. unbelief mm. and then being brought back to God in a moment, which was a supernatural yeah. moment. Mm. So it, for me, I wasn't looking for a big experience, but I was just looking for something mm. because I felt like you're calling me to trust you, God, 
and to put my faith in you, but I feel like I can't mm. because I can't get over the fact that I feel so distant and that you just are so disinterested in what I'm doing or so remote and so disengaged in my life that I, I don't know that I can trust you with it anymore. And that, that's not even saying, that's that almost implies therefore I believe that you're even there. I'm now thinking, well, oh, maybe, maybe I'm foolish for even believing mm. this. You know, maybe I've just been brought up in it, mm. and and that's that's just where I'm at. Yeah, you know. So, we've which, talk- which is often an issue for people who are brought up in faith, mm. because that sense, oh well, maybe I'm just believing all yeah. of this because I've been uh, brought up yeah. in it. It's then important that you share ex- experience with those that haven't been brought up, that have had that sudden. Because yeah. I think we, yeah, you, you, right. you can you can easily lose sight of an appreciation of what actually you were brought up in. I mean, I, I'm glad my children were brought up you know, in their faith, because I think it sowed something. They'll make their own decisions, but it sowed something really important. But that is an issue for people brought up inside um, uh, Christian churches. And and that sort of leads into another question that was asked, because I have talked about my sort of journey that I went on through, you know, through doubt and um, falling away from God and, and having an experience that the only really way to know God is we have to allow him to grasp us. It's not us trying to intellectually understand God. And I think that's where we start to fall away into doubt is when we we feel like we've got questions that need to be answered. Mm. And maybe this is part of the thing that we're looking for. We're, we're looking for some kind of answer to, to these questions. And I know for myself, who's always thinking about these things, and I'll never get to the end of my questions that I have for God, and I still can pull out mm. lots of reasons why mm. it doesn't make sense. Why it doesn't make sense, and why you shouldn't believe in God. But I think one of the sort of profound things that where I've been led to, where I stand today, is that my faith has to be based on not getting answers to all of those questions, or on God not doing anything that I ask Him to do, or any expectation. Mm. That's part of that allowing God to grasp me and reveal himself through that rather than me trying to understand him on the outside looking in. So that that's what that means. Yeah. Because again, I'm just anticipating when we talk about God grasping us, again, someone might feel frustrated saying, yeah, okay, well, let, 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 let me have that, you know. Yeah. But again, we have to think about what what actually that is? What, what is that? And, you know, and, it, and it's not again. We've got to be careful. It's not like, you know, this sort of finite person in the sky comes down and does something. You know, takes a hold of us, mm. gives us a hug, and then, if God is infinitely and eternal and ever present, as the Bible mm. certainly says that He is, uh, and if we live uh, and move and have our being in Him, we live and move and have our being. Uh, if he is, as the Westminster Confession of Faith says, the fountain of being, like, mm, mm. then he's much more fundamentally and constantly present mm. than just the person, finite person in the sky that comes down, you know, Every gives us a, gives us yep. an experience, bangs us on the head or whatever, and gives us, you know, wraps mm. us up or, uh, and then goes back. No, it's actually uh, something far more constant and fundamental that we might even be resisting. Yeah, uh, because it's yep. so fundamental, and we're we're naturally holding on to our autonomy in different yep. ways. So let me introduce the next question. Yep. Sort of tie into that. So the next one is, why did God show up back. for Connell but not me? And so I did share it in one of the earlier episodes. Yeah. About my journey 
as I struggle with doubt. Doubt, yeah. And then, you know, discovering God again. And, and in that was a supernatural experience. You know, naturally you kind of look at that and go, well, that's, that's great for me. Yeah. But I'll have what he's having. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Is my doubt was trying to get answers to these questions and feeling frustrated that God expects me to trust him, but he gives me nothing back. It just feels so dead and dry. My faith just feels so empty. And there's so many other people believe all these different things. I need something to know that I'm on the right track and I wouldn't get it. And I'd sort of go around in these cycles of getting angry with God and I'd walk away from God and I'd say, that's it, I'm done with this. I didn't like that. And I'd sort of come crawling back and go, God, just do something. I'll give you another chance and nothing. And I'd fall away again and it would just go through this cycle. Mm. And the thing that broke it was in those moments is coming to a realization that there's a couple of choices that I get to make here. I either believe that There's something from outside that gives me this meaning for life that makes love valid, Mm. that makes life worthwhile, makes my relationships important and makes people sacred and all of those sorts of things. It either comes from outside or it comes from inside of me. If it comes from inside of me, then none of that is actually real. It's just a kind of an illusion coming from a brain that's kind of- Yeah, chemical reaction, self- It's kind of, I can't even be sure that my brain is even functioning in a way that's something that I can trust. I'm giving up believing that it's actually just something that's given to me from outside. It's not from within. It's something that I'm having to just trust my brain and my perception in the world and my interpretation of the things that are going on around me. Or do I trust that there's something else out there that actually makes love and relationships and sacredness of human life and my life have value is something that just doesn't emerge from within me. And I, I couldn't let go of that idea. And it occurred to me that I've really got to drop an anchor in one of those two positions. Do I want to live my life believing it's just me, it's my brain? Or do I want to believe there is some inherent outside value mm. placed on those things? And so I felt like, even though I've been a Christian all that time and had all those questions and seeking a God, I had to come to a point where I go, The only thing that makes sense is if it comes from outside and not from within me. And therefore, I'm actually just going to drop my anchor on this foundation and have no more expectations of God. Yeah, regardless of of what happens. Of what happens. Mm. I'm just going to trust Mm. because I've got absolutely nothing else. And that's the breakthrough. Mm. I, I came before God. I made that declaration. I said, I'm going to trust you. Even if you destroy me, take everything away mm. from me, I'm still going to trust you because who else and where yeah. else can I go? And that's it. But if you ever want to give me that more tangible sense of your presence or a hug or something, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. I'm up for it. <laughs> and it was at that moment I had the most profound supernatural experience sitting in my bedroom mm-hmm. where literally it just felt like the heavens opened up and every morsel of doubt Mm. was driven from my being for, you know, a few minutes. And that was scary Mm. in a way. It was scary and incredible. And the point of that is I had to let go of the questions Mm. and the expectations and what I thought God needed to do. And I think that's where God was actually leading me in my mind, in my intellect, was to a point Mm. putting two choices in front of me. Which one do you want? Yeah. You know, you can't have both. 
And so that's where I got to. Now, that's different for other people, but he had to overcome my thinking. And and so he took a step back and he allowed me to get to that point where I kind of hit rock bottom where I had to make that decision. Mm. And once I did it, I was able to rebuild it with no expectations on God to do anything ever mm. for me. You, still you spoke on. there of yeah. two aspects and you said, you know, is it just coming from within me mm. or is there is there something uh, outside as well? In a sense, it's both of those things work, you know, working together. And this is part of the constancy and the the very fundamental sense of not only God's presence, uh, but the, the sense in which our very being and, and the shape and the way that we are is a direct expression of our relationship with God. So everything within us is created for worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, our whole neural network and our all of our cells in our sure. body and everything, you know, it's all it's all created for worship. And so, but of course, within that, we have a soul that is free to make decisions yeah. and we can make decisions against that. And so all of that gets turned uh, and twisted and, and so forth. But, you know, that, that inner sense that we see in all people of all time, mm. you know, that what perhaps has been variously referred to as this religious instinct mm. is an irrepressible part of human nature. If it doesn't come up out in one way, it comes out in another. Yeah. So the presence of that subjective element, mm. you know, is is completely valid. But I get what you're it, talking about. Is this just subjective? It, is it just conditioning? Yeah. Or is there a value to it? Yeah, like, or, or is it or all is fundamental? It, is it that? just something yeah. that I net, I have to find something to worship because that's somehow how we're wired as humans from yeah. an evolutionary perspective? Or is there something inherently valuable in worship but beyond just the value that I put on it yeah. that it is actually? And, and, and you can go through everything in life, you know, love for people, those relationships, whether I even think a human life has any value never mind my own life, whether it has any value, but if it's all just a thing that emerges within your mind and the chemicals in your brain and neurons firing, and that's all consciousness is as well. And, you know, on your, and if that's what you want, well, that's one way of looking at it, but you're going to live your life in complete inconsistency because you will live your life as if those things are absolutely have some sort of sense and value. And so for me, the questions that I have with God is trying to, to have both saying, I want to use my mind and my brain to know you as if my mind and brain is capable of that. And it has to be processed through that and not just put myself into your hands and let you do what you want, even if it doesn't make any sense to me at all. And the question is there too, like, why does God show up for me and not for you? You know, God didn't show up for years and years and years. He you also have to be careful of the word show up that, because yeah, that's just, just like that's, the air. Yeah, that's right. Does live in that reality. Up. It's yeah, just yeah, whether we right. have a perception that he shows up. But if we go with that meaning, it's a sense of showing up, perceived or tangible mm. sense of God engaging with you in some way. I think we've spoken to that where you sort of say we always want God to come to us on our terms, yeah. you know, in a sense. So it's the way I want God to come to me. And I think that's kind of, yeah. in a sense, what you, when you say show up, we're kind of saying, God, this is what you need to do for me to accept. And it's like, mm. nah, it's not, um, that's not good. And I'd still say for my, most of my time, I wouldn't say show up mm. is what it feels like yeah. with God either. It's yeah. not like mm. it's a constant, tangible experience. of, of it. There are moments when you feel closer to God than others and moments that he kind of does draw you in and there's dry periods as well and they can go on for years of whatever's God's doing with you in that time is 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 confusing my experience is 
he's always done things with me in those times and allowed me to walk through those times. And it's at the time, it, it didn't seem to have much point to it, but he does bring me back. And it can be years. I mean, it's that there's a long periods, and it's completely reasonable to me going, "What does God do things for other people?" But He leaves me in this this place. But looking back, yeah, those dry periods have brought me to where I am. I think they're today. important. As I've said in the past, you know, those are the times when we actually lean in, and we seek. Yeah. You know, that they're times for seeking. That you know, there are times for seeking and times for finding. And when I say Finding, I'm talking about a sort of relational alignment in a sense, because God is not distant in the sense of God's being is not distant. It's a relational sense in, of, of distance. You know, I've I've used the illustration that God is more imminently present than air. I mean, every cell in our body, mm. you know, there's there's air in, in within us, without us. God is more present, more even fundamentally present than that, right? We are immersed in the presence of God. Now, air, like with air, and this is why I use this illustration, air moves as well, right? And there are times when God moves and times when it's still. And so there are times when, you know, that seeking of God is a relational thing because it's it's working through so much of our own autonomy and our it gives us an opportunity to exercise that desire for God, which is a very important relational mm-hmm. uh, so it's like it's like resting in the fact that he's like the air. He's all around us, always present, always constant. Yeah. When we keep putting up, but God, where are you? You need to do this, you need to do that. I prayed and you didn't answer and you know, and on yeah. and on and on it goes. That's in a way of not letting God grasp us as yeah. well. It's just like just let it, just rest in the knowledge. Yeah. Just be sure and rest in the knowledge that He's like the air. Yeah, that's right. Does live in that reality. Yeah, so. it's good. Thanks, Connell. Thanks, Matt. Man, what a great discussion there uh, mm. around that. It's a great question, and and it is a, it is a challenge. And I think we all have different experiences, but I think there's there's a lot in there for us to to unpack. And really appreciate you guys sharing uh, so openly about your journey of faith. One of the other questions we've got here is. Uh, I've been discouraged watching others who I thought had a strong faith in God de-church or deconstruct. Did God get it wrong and not show up in time? Kind of leads into the question we had before. And where does it leave them? They seem happy and fulfilled in their decision. It's like, in a sense, being a Christian or not being a Christian doesn't seem to make a lot of difference for them in their life. And how discouraging yeah. that is, is for us as Christians, yeah, I guess is. the person saying watching that. And, and yeah, it is that. discouraging. Yeah. And, and it's probably worth recognizing there's... We've seen a bit of this actually with quite prominent church leaders. people. Yeah, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some sort of prominent worship leaders or Christian mm-hmm. musicians mm-hmm. and so forth mm-hmm. who have, you know, we've seen this with. And every situation is different. My response to that generally, you know, the trailing experience that I have of recognizing how God demolishes the self that we think we are. In the process of knowing him, you know, I mean, we, we've you, you talked a little bit about that moment of encounter. For me, complain, you know, complaining and where are you, God? Actually, leaning into that ultimately led to this encounter that was uh, unbearable. Actually, it was just for almost it was only a matter of seconds, but it was absolutely unbearable. I, I it was like you know, I was this point of infinite density, and and the whole of reality was just closing in on it and it was god it was mm. a person it was not mm. you know it mm. was personal it wasn't just a force or a it was god and i knew it was god but it, and it, it was absolutely unbearable mm. and 
And it was very perplexing for me because my response to that and from the moment that it begin, began to dawn me was stop, stop, stop. That was uh, just- and, too and much. Then, yeah, mm. it was too much. Mm. And it stopped. Mm. And that was a very important moment for me in that it just threw- it's like all my mental c- capacities collapsed. I realized I was in the, I was in the grasp of something. Yeah. Like, you know, all of my questions just seemed stupid in that moment. It was like a bit of a Job moment, you know, mm. like, oh my, like, and actually what I realized, and, and I think my perplexity after that, you know, why did I, I mean, I told God to go away. It, it, I mean, God's always there, but I realized that there's something deep in me that resists God. And actually, the fallout of that was that I was enabled to experience that very tangibly, this very deep sense in which I naturally resisted God, that my resistance uh, was was something very, very tangible. I, I really felt that, you know, because I felt it that to know God was to demolish everything about myself that I had built up, that I thought was admirable or, you know, because we build our false identities and yeah. um, and we've talked a little bit about this uh, as well. So, I guess on the back of that, I mean, I, I feel that over the last decade since that time, probably more than a decade now, I have been gradually demolished. And I have <laughs> been times where I thought... And and it's not I'm you know I'm not uh, big noting myself or you know claiming any level of spirit because man there's been a lot to break down and I feel like you know saying with you know with, with Paul I'm the least of all like honestly I you know the, feel like the chief of sinners there's been so much rubbish to work so much pride and all of this stuff that I've you know had to work through but I it does make me think who would go this journey. Uh, this is the most un- like in, in, the depth of resistance that I discovered in myself. Uh, one thing I wasn't surprised by was you know how difficult it was for me to connect with God, but not because God was hiding from me. And and the Bible refers to this, and I'm you know refers to this as hard heartedness. And and unless just unless someone think, oh, what you're saying, I'm hard hearted. No, I'm saying we are. All hard hearted. Yeah, it's hum- protection. It's humanity, mechanism. right? Yeah, this is our fundamental humanity, mm-hmm. right? It's like, and it's trying to know, break down that false personality, that false. Yeah, self. yeah, that's right. That's like it's it's it's, it's it's a protective thing. It's protecting our sense of autonomy, and and mm-hmm. uh, and so we encapsulate ourselves. I mean, in in my book, Deeper Places, I talk about this, you know, experience of. You know, like the submarine in in the in the ocean, the deeper it goes, the more the pressure exerts itself. You know, and mm. so by seeking God, essentially, what I was doing was immersing myself more deeply, where the where the pressure mm. uh, was greater. And uh, but the, when the pressure got too much, what I realized is that I was I was just going back to the surface, always jumping back to the surface. Mm. And I guess as I look back, I think it it actually doesn't surprise me that that just people aren't up for that. You know, because, you know, Jesus said, unless you give up everything that you have, I mean, that's the least of it. You know, you're all, you know, it's like the rich young man who, who all of these stories in scripture, you know, I'm talking about the rich young man who came to Jesus and said, you know, 
uh, I'm up for this Jesus, I'm, I'm godly, and all of these identity markers. You know, he was wealthy and he was godly and he kept the law and, and Jesus is just going to demolish all of that, you know, and he's just not up for that, right? And so it doesn't, in one sense, I'm just, this is only one part to the mm-hmm. answer to this, but it doesn't surprise me that people are not up for this or, or that, or, or that there's a certain level of depth that, that they stop at, which I for a long time stopped at, and that then it ceases to feel real, right? But mm-hmm. it ceases to feel real because it's actually something in us, the reality is not something that mm-hmm. we're willing to grasp. This is the irony of this, because we put this back on God and we say, oh, God didn't go mm-hmm. da 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 mm-hmm. But oh, it's we just need to recognize how deeply resistant we are mm-hmm. to God. Mm-hmm. And that's great from a first-person perspective, but I think it'd be good to talk about that question in particular from a, you know, we've all got kids. Let's just imagine one or none of our kids are Christians. They've yeah. been brought up in a Christian home. They've kind of done all the Christian things, let's just say, and yeah. we we sort of thought they had a faith, and now they seem to be just moving away from that, and we're praying for that. And it's like, yeah. it's like the sense of, God, you know, what's, what's happened here, and where does that leave them if you're praying as much as you can for your child to come to a, a personal relationship with Christ and they're just not yet. They've had all the foundational stuff there and from all intents and purposes, you felt had a faith and now they're kind of at seemingly walking away. But on top of that, they seem pretty happy. How do you then? Well, they find meaning in their friendships and their, yeah, and everything else. I mean, except, you listen to some people, mm. the way they sort of describe it is that um, I don't really know what's true and Mm. what's true. All I know is what I've got now and what's real and what the the life that I lead. And there are people that I I love. I don't know whether that's absolute or relative or Mm. where it comes from, but I'll just throw my hands up in the air and I'll just go, well, yeah, do the Make best. The most of it. Do yeah. the yeah. best with what I've got. Mm. In. And and I think what what's happening there is is there's this point, there's this place of struggle, you know, where you're really str- and it's quite exhausting, and people struggle, and and you can go two ways with your struggle, and and both options involve giving in or giving up in some sense. You can either give up to God. There's there's a process to that, right? Because it's mm-hmm. you know because there's a sense of self demolition in that, or it's just because because that you're close to that point of struggle. It's like being you know that submarine deep in the ocean where the pressure exerts itself, right? If you're not going to let the shell break open, right, and and live in the ocean in your na- you know natural spiritual environment, you're actually happier just going back to the surface. <laughs> like, hmm, and, and and so I I acknowledge that for a lot of people, and I've heard this testimony. Oh, I was just happier when I. When I gave up the struggle and and I just went back to the surface and I just lived my life and I didn't ask any deep questions. I didn't really try to understand. You know, I just, you know, focused on friendships and the And I'm know, not saying there is good God things, there is a God, yeah. I'm just getting on with it's my life. It's just kind of agnosticism. Of it. yep. I totally acknowledge mm. that because it's the absence of struggle. That's a happier, happier place. Now, you know, is happiness the goal here mm. uh, of life? I mean, we we can't not want happiness. And I acknowledge there's a you're relatively much happier in that place. I'll acknowledge that uh, than you are in that place of struggle. But there's another direction that you can go in that place of struggle. Rather than go backwards back up to the surface, you can actually go deeper, let the shell break open and allow yourself to die, be completely Mm -hmm. demolished so that you can be in God in the deepest sense. Now, that's the way that's how we find no God. 
returning to that point of equilibrium, if you like, of just accepting what is and going with the flow. Like I wasn't happy because, and maybe that's just because I think about it all the time. And maybe if you choose not to think about it or dwell on it, you can be happy there. For me personally, I wasn't happy because everything that I did had no value or purpose. Absolutely. Every, and everywhere I looked, looked so purposeless. And, yeah. and, and I was prepared to accept that. If that's, if that's what reality is, I'd rather believe that than believe a lie that there's some other absolute, you know, sense of meaning out there in, in God. So I, was, I wasn't happy there, but I know that people are happy just to float there, or they seem to, they seem to be, or maybe, I mean, I think God was probably, for me, was probably using those times to make me feel miserable mm. without God. But I, I guess there's a, there are people that you can float and you can be happy, happy in that. And I'm not sure that even people, people may not want to feel that crushing that comes from, you know, <laughs> descending. This, but a lot of people just end up floating on the surface because they're just disappointed or things have happened and they, they go, oh, look, I got, I can't, I can't explain. I don't know where you are. I can't explain why I'm, I'm, I'm feeling you've left me. You're distant. I'm just going to float. Yeah, and and it's it's why you know another thing that I've said you know again and again and again is that the worst thing that can ever happen to you is you end up being happy without God. Yeah, and I'm actually thankful that for the times I have floated to the surface, that God made me miserable <laughs> yeah. in that place. I, I'm I'm thankful. I am thankful for that. And and I guess. You know, Can I just speak to that, yeah. though, Matt? Because I think it speaks into this, they seemingly are happy. you know. And I, th- I think this was true for me, because uh, similar um, to me in my early 20s, I just, I don't know. And, but I got to the point of going, well, actually, I can't live without God. It's like nothing has purpose. Well, I, you know, Nothing has any sense of value beyond the immediate. But I think the happiness that you find in outside of God is happiness that's dependent on so many external things mm. in a certain way. The happiness you find in God is is irrelevant to all of that stuff. And it's a bit like the, the analogy you use about the mission field. We're tipped in and and I think the happiness we look for without God is is assuming that this is all there is and this is the main game. Mm. And the reality is it isn't. And I, I think there comes a point in time uh, where we look back and, and even me now at my age, and I'm not a youngster, but I look back over my life and it's like, man, there are times where, you know, I ask myself, what would God have done had I been more available at that point in time there? Or had I made mm. this different mm. decision at that point in time now? And I think, so I think the happiness that we're talking about when people say they're happy without God, and I know they genuinely believe they are happy and they seemingly are well, happy. They, but, they probably are. Well, in, in a way, by, by comparison, but my, my point is com- by comparison to the yes. struggle yes. of this constant in between. It's very difficult to sit in between. Yes, mm. you know, it's and, and you know the the layer that that Laodicean letter, you know, mm. in, in Revelation, mm. the lukewarm. It's you're better to be hot or cold. Lukewarm yeah. is really difficult. Yeah. You know, it's not a that's a slight misapplication of that. But but the point is is that being in the middle in that in that middle space is a very difficult place to maintain. Mm. Either you go deep mm. and you you die. Or you go the other way. So, and I think, and I think part of that is that look, you're better to be, you're better to be off or on. Like you're better to be a non-believer, but don't do this middle middle ground thing. I think it's easier for. I guess what I'm trying to say is easier for us in 
Western civilization fairly prosperous mm. to be happy. But, you, you know, imagine if everything that we had that we thought had value, you know, right now was stripped away. Yeah. Where would we find our happiness then? <laughs> Without all there's the fancy a- houses and lovely cars and, you know, investments here and there. I mean, all the stuff that we think matters. There's know? a strange paradox in the whole thing. I'm just thinking about that because in, in God, it's the only way to actually have in your life, like your life only can have any value if there's God, because otherwise, if there's not, you're just going to die and you're going to get forgotten about a few years later. And certainly a hundred years later, no one's going to know anything about you anymore. And says, you might as well not have even existed. Even yeah. existed. You're not going to care about all the goals and the amazing things you mm. did in your life because you're just dead. And so the only way of value in life is if, if there is God. But the int- funny thing is it sort of flips around because in a way, our life becomes less valuable in a way that it's not the main game. You know, the time that the life that we have. Mm. So when you play so so much, the value. It's not all about now, this little blip in It's not. And actually, I'm just, as you said before, we're actually just on a mission. So we actually need to kind of let go of all the things that I want to achieve and the accomplishments that I can create and the relationships that I can build. All of those things, as valuable as things are, they become kind of less valuable and everything everything is a bigger picture becomes more yeah. valuable. So you I guess you're placing value in a lot of things like your accomplishment and your career and your all the th- great things that you, you can do. Yeah. That's where your value comes from. But we all know they're very, very shaky ground yeah. anyway. And it doesn't take much for those things to fall away to realize that once those things are gone and they're temporary, you actually don't have that bigger sense yeah. of value. So yeah. I think you can, as long as you've got surround yourselves yourself with all of those things, mm. you can feel quite happy mm. and fulfilled. But I'm just thinking, is there hope? You know, like can people remain, especially if you come from a Christian family and you've got that kind of truth yeah. and awareness of, of what you had. Cause I know when I was slipping in my faith, I became angry in a way, just frustrated, that I was even brought up as a Christian because it was it would be so much easier to be an atheist if I didn't have all this sense of hope <laughs> and and you know it, it would, it would what you know so I'm, I'm having to move from being full of hope yeah. and meaning and purpose to going there's no hope yeah there's well no hope I mean no but that's purpose. the the definition of hope is that is that it comes out of the tension of I guess the brokenness and the the even the incompletion, the partial nature of what we have, you know, it's like it's like we have an aroma of this amazing feast that's coming up in the future and it causes more pain. It'd be better not to smell that at all, you know. But that's the nature of, of this of this age. And and it gives me the opportunity just to qualify what I was saying before, because it's not, you know, I talked about the on the middle, like the on the middle and the off. Mm. The the thing is we we're never ever wholly in one place you know it's it's all about where you're moving where your trajectory is so my story is is one from it moving from that middle place you know i mean you know i was brought to faith but the important thing is the trajectory is toward the total surrender you know it's towards that that i'm moving steadily towards that and what happens is that people stop the movement they get stuck in the middle it's you drift toward the middle well actually you drift backwards but you sort of sit in the middle and then you have to be intentional about moving forwards in that allowing god to say 
I want you to move me forwards. And that is going to look like the a sense of self-demolition. Mm. Uh, it's also going to look like completely different ways of thinking. You are not going to think about what you're getting. You're, you are going to see your life as the seed of the kingdom. And God, if you have to push me into the soil, right, half dead, and I, in order to sprout, then let that be. I mean, I've seen people go through awful, awful things, right? But who were so mission-oriented, it's like, well, if God brings something good out of this, that's what life's about. Mm -hmm. And the perfect example of that, well, Jesus is the perfect example of that. And then you've got Paul, Mm -hmm. right, who just went through this awful stuff, but he says, but if God is glorified in this, let my life be that seed that's pushed into the soil and that gives... Bears fruit for the there's, kingdom. There's lots oh, of you know, it's good. like you start actually realizing that is actually what life's about. Mm. And I'm not, you know, I'm still on this journey. You know, I'm still constantly reminded, oh man, I need to, you know, uh, I need to lean into th- mm. this constant death life thing that uh, that I still need to lean into. Mm. So it's all about the it's all about the it's trajectory. Like all, it's like all of these questions can be answered by one simple idea that it's letting go of the value. The value of your life, you can build value in one of two ways. As I said before, you can either build it on the things that I can do, the here and the now and the the temporal stuff, and you can find value in those. And that's what gives your life value in the Christian worldview. It's actually, and where God's really trying to take us is he wants us to devalue those things. Like he almost wants us to let go of the value that we Mm. place on our lives. Yeah. We have to take on the value that he puts on our life, which is yeah. a missional value. Yeah. Mm. He needs to take us to there. It's it's two completely different yeah. ways of, yeah. of of worldviews of, of what it means. I think important though to give to give something, you know, we, we keep praying for those people, those friends, those family members, those kids, whatever it is who we see <laughs> falling away. We need to keep praying for them mad and we need to keep having faith that God will draw them back. And I think I've seen so many times where people oh, yeah. think they've walked away from God. I mean Connolly, even your even your story that you've shared, yeah. where they think they've walked, but God, God's not gone anywhere, you know, and uh, we just need That's to keep believing yeah. that God's going to gonna draw them back. Yeah. Look, we've only got time for one more question. And mm. and just a reminder, listeners, if you've got some questions, go to our website, thrivetoday.tv. There's the ask us a question button. Click on that and type your question in. Just going to read this one out. It's a little bit of a longer one, but I think it's a great question. I appreciated the explanation for why God allows suffering from the Perspectives episode, Suffering, Pain, and a Broken World. Still, there's another aspect of this that I wrestle with. My prayers and declared faith lacks testimony to God in my life for my non-Christian friends, as I don't seem to see God changing anything about my situation. They see my strong faith and they know that I'm praying for change, but they don't see an answer from my God. In my struggles, I long for God to move not just for me, but as an opportunity for him to display his power to my friends. I'm okay with struggle, but sometimes I'd like to feel like I'm on the winning side. Mm. And I think just before you jump into that, I think as we've read through, you know, in our other podcast, Thrive Deeper, so much of what we've read, particularly through the Old Testament prophets that we've been reading recently, is so that my name might be glorified. You know, that sense of, I do this so that you will bring glory to my name. And yet here we are, and it feels like, doesn't God want to bring glory to his Mm. name in this situation? Yeah. Well, well, let's start with a biblical, like yeah, a biblical. Great. Let's build this on a rather than yeah, what we think. I mean, yeah, yeah, like, you know, and 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 I, what comes to mind immediately is Jesus 
the parable of the, the two houses built, yeah. one on the rock and one on the sand, and they both experience exactly the same Storm. storms. You know, and, and and the you know the imagery of storms is all about the chaos of life and the brokenness, and right, the, and it says the storms beat against the same house, right? But one fell and one didn't, and and the falling there is that bigger existential sort of sense of you know what you know one just collapsed under the pressure of the storms. I think that's a good example here because the thing that distinguishes a Christian from a non-Christian is not that the Christians, you know, when they suffer, oh, it's lifted like we have. And again, it's the slight genie kind of mm. view of God that, you know, well, our, our God works, this works for me because we live in a very pragmatic society, right? Mm. Uh, you know, I I follow this diet because it works, works for me, right? I follow this particular type of therapy because it works for me. Well, I follow this kind of religion because it works for me. Well, if that works for you, Stu, and it makes you happy, then then that's good for you. In th- that context, you know, it's it can seem like, well, I want to show people that this works for me, but that actually isn't really showing something about yeah, but I, I hear that. But it yeah. could also be I want God to do this so they see Yeah, yeah, so that them. they see. That's right. Yeah, And they go, mate, I need to find out more about this God. Not even if it's not even just about me. It's like I want this to be a great witness of yeah. who I know and believe my God to be. Yeah. And, it's not, and yet it's not every time. No. But that's just sometimes. You know, like when you've, you, you pray and people are sick. Yeah. And there's a big, you know, gathering of yeah, yeah. real seeking of God to answer yeah. in this situation. And you go through all of that and they just get sicker and sicker and sicker. Yeah. They pass away. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of yeah. like, to me, there's two things that could have happened here, especially when you're dealing with people who got young families. And in one sense, the tragedy, if they die, yeah. is, you know, it's just awful. But the incredible opportunity to, to see God come through and make them well again mm. It's like the celebration and the the just just the, the and why of, wouldn't God take that opportunity to like, kind of I know I I think we all know the answer but it's just so hard it to, is hard yeah no, absolutely you, you know you want you want these people to see that God is real and that yeah and yet the stories of the most profound testimonies or impact that that people going through you know cancer and so forth have had have been those times where they share that journey of where the cancer, even people have gone through terrible bereavement, you know, lost, uh, you know, loved ones, even children, and they share that journey with other people. And that becomes a very, very profound testimony, actually, that they have gone through that loss, but going through it with faith. This is the house built on the rock right. thing. Um, that there's a there's a different perspective there. There's a there's something more there that Even they can, though he slay me. Yeah, that so so sense. it's their faith in the yeah. midst of they're in the same boat as those those other people. And I think I think God does he puts us in the same boat as we're not delivered from the we're in the world uh, and and we we suffer as you know Job says the things common to to man uh, we we have the same things right we're in the same chaos. And God wants us all to know that it's not right the way that it is. And yes, it can be a te- wonderful testimony when God lifts elements of that chaos off us, when, when he lifts some of the, the cursedness of the world off us, right? So that's a testimony. But I think the most profound testimonies I've heard are when people have gone through that with faith and they've shared with people in that circumstance. 
And that's been a profound witness because they've been in a place that other people are and that that only they can those people can understand that you're at the coal face of reality one with faith one with not faith that's a pretty powerful place uh, to share faith from and a lot of people will say it was because people who would say it was the most awful thing to go through this bereavement or with this thing that I went through and yet it put me in a place where I was able to share faith with people that I would not have been able to share faith with yeah, that's true. because of this experience of loss and so I think that you know that that's a deeper testimony because there's also the question about what we're testifying to. Again, we've just got to be in a very transactional society. We've just got to be careful that that we're not portraying God. Oh, you you know, if you have God in your life, then it works. It really works. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 like I, that's wand. not who God wants to be. No, we've got to think no. about who God wants, and and we have ideas of what you know. Come on, God, like if you come to the party, then people are going to really, yeah, that's right. You know, they're going to really think that you're you're great, and and but really, are they really going to see God, or are they just going to see? Are they going to process that in a way that just reduces God mm. to the big genie in the sky? I mean, God wants to be glorified for who He is, dispensing the things that we want all the time. That's not necessarily the best reflection of who who God is yeah. in, in the sense that you know God being God means something much deeper than that and and I think it's the testimonies of people in those circumstances who hold on to God and find God when all the aspects of reality have fallen through yeah. and they find themselves on the bedrock of that reality and there's something intangible that they radiate right it's not even they can't point to something. They're not pointing to an experience. Oh, this is what God did for me. And everyone looks at, oh, wow, isn't that impressive? Mm. You know, I'd like that too. I'd like a bit of that God that does these things as well. No, they actually exude when when they fall through those, you know, or every other hope is broken through yeah. and they, they end up at the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, on the bedrock of that reality. Man, people in that those circum they exude something in those circumstances if they have discovered that that I think is powerful yeah. uh, beyond words. And that is a powerful testimony to God because they are really the sense of connection that people find. They will exude that and also then witness that to people in the same who's also whose hopes are broken through, but who feel like they're sinking in quicksand. Yeah. You know, it's the people who who are on that bedrock of reality, the bottom of the barrel, often the most powerful testimony to to put out a hand for those people that feel like they're sinking in quicksand. Yeah, mm. that's great. Well, mm. we're you know we've we could probably go on for mm. another couple of hours, but we we won't. Um, there's just one more. question. Well, we will just in in subsequent episodes. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> uh, one more question that we'll, we'll ask, and uh, Matt, I might just let you answer this one because yeah. uh, we'll keep it a little bit briefer. But are are any big questions out of bounds? You know, I think a lot of people feel like, oh, is the fact that I'm even asking a question disqualifying me or disqualifying my faith? Okay, you're asking that as, <laughs> you know, a lecture in philosophy. Yeah. Uh, so, no, they're not. No, not in a not in a relational sense. I mean, we, you know, God wants a relationship with us and he just says, give me it all. You know, I mean, Job is not condemned for all of the questions that that he asks. He's just, okay, come on, give it to me. Like, you know, the 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 whys of the Psalms is so many whys. Lord, why, why, why? Okay. And I mean God says, come on, bring it, bring it all to me. Lay it all upon me. From a spiritual relational point of view, go give it all to God. You know, but from a philosophical point of view, our minds are so small and limited compared to the infinite 
open reality that God completely fills and pervades and even created is, you know, it's, this is where we've got to recognize we see the tiniest little slice of, of reality. So th- this is where the book of Job gets to, you know, Job, none of his questions are really are answered, are they, in, in, in Job? And yet he has this encounter with God. He comes to this understanding of God in a very existential sense that enables him to realize, oh man, I couldn't fathom God if I tried. And so, you know, this is also where Paul gets to where he says, oh, the depths of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments, his paths beyond tracing out who can fathom the mind of the Lord. And this is the point that we need to get to that we are intellectually in many sense like blind people. And this is where this trust is, Lord. I need you to lead me forward because I don't see or understand anything. That's total dependence, and that total dependence is a crucial aspect of faith. You are, as Jesus said, you are blind if if you think you see. But if you recognize that you're blind, you can be led by God. Thanks for joining us for this special episode of Thrive Perspectives. You may have questions you'd like to ask the Thrive Perspectives team. We'd encourage you to reach out and send us your questions or feedback. It's easy. Just go to thrivetoday.tv. On the homepage, scroll to the bottom, and you will see a large heading, Got a Question. Simply click on the link, fill in the details, and send us your question. We may well be able to discuss it in an upcoming episode, or we may schedule a special future episode to speak to yours and the many other questions that we receive. We welcome your questions. We welcome your feedback. Visit thrivetoday.tv. Follow the link. We hope to hear from you soon.